All right. Welcome, everybody, to Black Hawk Church. Hey, I've got a question to kind of kick us off today, just to get us all moving in the same direction. How many people, all sites, all venues, everybody listen to me right now, if you're listening online, how many of you would consider yourself to be kind of um, a home improvement person? You're a person, you like house projects. You enjoy like uh, going to the Habitat Restore, finding a piece of furniture or to Goodwill that you're, you know, going to take from shabby to chic. You like watching um, DIY Network or HGTV. Maybe you're not that good at doing projects, but you at least appreciate watching all that stuff and thinking that you're one of those people. So how many of you, show of hands, all sites, all venues, will put yourself in one of those categories? Okay. Yeah. That's a decent amount of people. So, um, okay, if you are in that camp, my, my guess is, is that you know, you know what this is. This is, um, this is an orbital sander. Um, you, you might notice it's, it's fairly, it's, uh, it's well used. Um, that's because it's my wife's and, um, yeah, she's the one who does the house projects. I'm the tag along, you know, and, uh, but we, um, in our years have done a, a decent amount of house projects around our house, refinishing different things. We have definitely been given furniture at different times that just needed to like be refinished. And so we've, we've used one of these. And, and my guess is, is that for a lot of us, you've used something like this. Maybe you've used sandpaper or a sanding block, an orbital sander. How many of us have worked with sandpaper in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, that's a good amount of people. Maybe it's just a particular grade of paper you were using. Maybe you were using a block, an orbital sander. Maybe you took it to the next level of using like a belt sander or something like that on a piece of wood if you get to a higher level. Or maybe you're one of those crazy people that decided that you were gonna refinish your own hardwood floors. You know, we all know people who have tried that and gone that direction. And it, regardless of what type of sander you've used, you know, if you really stop to think about it, okay, sandpaper or a, a sander uses friction. And, and within that friction, there's a reaction that takes place. And that reaction can either be really good or it can be really not good. Like anybody ever like sanded something and realized you did more damage than good? Like you, you're sanding something, you realize you're realizing you're going against the grain of the wood and like you just mess things up. Or you sand something a little too thin and something breaks off. Or I've had friends who have sanded their own hardwood floors and um, well, they've had to call in the experts because of like the amount of divots and things that they did trying to get that done. We all have stories of, of different ways that we use sandpaper. Some for great good that have really made things better. Others like where it did not work well at all. Well, today's subject that we're going to talk about is a lot like a sander. It's a lot like sandpaper. And it has the same reaction. Today, we are talking about the subject of conflict. If you think about conflict, conflict is something that causes, between two different people, it causes uh, friction. And, and within that friction, it can go two different directions. It can end up being something that is used potentially by God for great good in our lives, to, to get rid of sharp edges, to smooth down rough surfaces, to get rid of you know, the, the, you know, the proverbial like paint and stains and all of that stuff in order to give a refinish and to, to shape us differently. Or it can end up being used in, we can all tell stories of where it's been, <laughs> it, well, it's ended up doing damage. 
So by the way, my name is Matt Metzger. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Blackhawk Church. I'm a part of the teaching team. And we are in week five right now, uh, the last week of a series called It's Complicated, where we have been taking a look at um, relationships. And I think one of the things we can all guarantee um, agree on, it's that relationships are complicated. And so we've looked at it from all different directions last week. Charles did an amazing job unpacking the topic of forgiveness and what that looks like in our lives and how to be able to move towards that. But the reason why oftentimes we have to move towards forgiveness is because of conflict that takes place in our lives with other people. And so what I'd like to do today is to dive into some of the subject of like, how do we deal with conflict? Because it's a guarantee. We live in a broken world. We all know that. And in the midst of, con- in the midst of a broken world, we're going to deal with conflict. It's not, it's not an if, it's a when. And that's like, that's not, a, that's not a shocker to anyone in the room right now. We all deal with that. Some of you are in the midst of situations and seasons right now where you're dealing with conflict with someone. Welcome to the club. So let's just do something for fun to kind of all get warmed up. How many of you in the last 18 months, the last year and a half, have had some form of of conflict, even potentially significant conflict with another person? Raise your hands. Yep, there you go, right there. Okay, that's good. How many of you were convinced in that situation that it was the other person's fault? So yeah, I think more hands went up in this room right there. So, and how many of you are sitting next to that person right now? So yeah, if you raise your hands, you've got issues right now and you may just need to leave the room. So we, look, we all, we all struggle with that. And the thing is, is like if we really dive deep into the subject, we all, we all deal with conflict differently. We deal with conflict differently based upon our family of origin and the way that we saw conflict dealt with with the people that we've done life with. We, we deal with conflict differently due to the, the culture that we grew up in. If it was here in, in the United States or for, for many people watching right now, people who live in other, grew up in other areas of the world, conflict is dealt with differently based upon cultures. So personality comes into the way that we handle conflict. I, I found out a lot of this as my wife and I started dating back in college, we went to Wheaton College, and um, we handled conflict very differently. We got to the point where finally, like, okay, the little dating honeymoon period was over. You're starting getting into, like, real stuff and having, like, real conversations and getting into arguments. And, uh, and I, like, we just handled stuff like that differently. I mean, I was, I was from South Florida. Rachel was from the, the Midwest. She was from here in Madison. Her parents actually were from England. And so there was a culture that was brought into that. Not to mention, like, there is a thing, a real thing. For those of you who only lived in the Midwest, there's a real thing called, like, Midwestern nice. You know, where, where people are really kind and gracious and you wonder, like, okay, what's going on under the surface that they're really thinking? You know, so other parts of the country, South Florida, people just kind of put it out there. You know, but here... It, you're, you're just nice to each other. Anyone else in the, like from other areas of the country have my back on that? Can I get an amen from anyone in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like eight of us, but trust us. So it's true. So on top of that, so Rachel and I had those two things different. South Florida, you know, here, she came from an introverted family. I came from an extroverted family. On top of that, our personalities were way different. Like if you're a Myers-Briggs person in the room at all, you're into the personality test, I'm an ENFP. I'm an extrovert, you know, I'm a 
feeler, you know, and I'm passionate and excited. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. You're going to know how I feel in a situation. I'm going to get real emotional about things and I'm kind of ADD. That's, that's me. Rachel, on the other hand, is the polar opposite of that. She is an ISTJ, introvert, thinker, logic, and so you put those people together in a situation with friction, it gets really interesting. We would get into arguments and I would be like passionate and emotional. I would get hurt by her. I would get angry and I would want to put all those things out there. And, and so like, I'm, I feel like we're having this like argument. She would think that we were just having a conversation. You know, we were just having a discussion about a subject. And in fact, there were even times where she agreed with me on my side, but she would jump to the other side just to make it a fun conversation and debate. <laughs> Any other people in the room who do that? Yeah, 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 see, you're messed up. That's just wrong. <laughs> and so she would handle things this way. And, uh, and so it caused us to butt heads and we had to figure out when conflict arose and friction was taking place, how would we handle situations like that? So as not just to damage each other, and believe me, in the dating years, plus the 25 years of marriage, we have, we have guaranteed damaged each other and hurt each other in different situations. But, but through our relationships with, with Jesus, we've learned more of how, how, do we, how do we work in each other's lives to be able to knock off sharp edges and to, to smooth down rough surfaces and to get rid of like the crud and debris and things like that in order that we would become people who more look like Jesus. That's the idea of the way that God would desire for us to use conflict in our lives. That we would be people who move towards reconciliation and allow God to use us in each other to mold us and shape us more into the people that he would want us to be. Okay, but okay, what does that look like? Practically, like, how does that fit? Well, before I dive into the practical side of things, I want to talk to a particular audience at all sites, all venues. Welcome to all of you at Upper House, all of you at Black Hawk Fitchburg, all of you in the gallery, those people in, in traditions, those of you in our Chinese venue. We are just glad that you are all joining us right now. And I want to speak to certain people in, in all of the different rooms because some of you, um, you... Um, You've been in situations where there has been abuse that's taken place. And it took a lot for you to be able to get out of those circumstances and situations. And it could be easy from the very get-go of a sermon like this where we talk about conflict and, and friction and reconciliation for you to think that I would be saying that your deal right now is to step back into those kind of relationships like, God would want you to go that way. I just want you to hear me say from the beginning, I don't believe that that's what God would want. So is for you to intentionally, uh, because you think God would want you to step back into a situation where you were back into a place where you would be being abused. I don't believe that God's, that's what God would want in any way, shape, or form. But I do believe that for all of us, we find ourselves in circumstances with family members, with neighbors, with coworkers, with roommates, where there is friction and there is conflict. And in those situations, how do we deal with those things in a godly manner that moves us more in the direction of who Jesus would want us to be? And so what I want to do with the rest of our time together is I just want to get really practical 
Um, I, as I was studying, getting ready for this message, I was reading different things and listening to different stuff, and everything that I was hearing was very much on the practical side, and so I'd like to move that direction just to give some practical steps for all of us. This is not gonna be rocket science. Probably a lot of this you have heard before, but I think that sometimes we just need like a refresher to figure out how to do this well because we live in a world where we separate so often when it comes to conflict. We move away from each other rather than moving towards each other. Or we end up doing so much of this that we end up just damaging each other. What does it look like to do it well? So if you're a note taker, you're gonna love this today because I've got five different steps that I think we should take. There's no like acronym or anything. No, 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 it's just five steps. We're not gonna get too crazy. But uh, I think you're gonna appreciate it. So let's, let's dive in with, uh, and actually, before I do that, um, you know, there's a, there's a passage of scripture that I think really hits on the idea of why we should be this way. And I, I'd like to begin before diving into those, um, looking at this passage. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, I think, is a great place for us to start as we dive into this idea of reconciliation. And it says this, starting with verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. In other words, for any of us who've come to the place of accepting Jesus as our savior, that once that takes place, the Holy Spirit comes and does work inside of us to transform us more into the image of Jesus. The old is gone, new has come. It goes on, verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though he were making his appeal through us. Now, this is massive. Because we realize that when it comes to the idea of us reconciling with other people, the reason why we do that is because we are striving to live in the example of what God did ultimately for us. That he's the one who saw the issue, the separation between us and God that we couldn't fix on our own. And so he stepped into that moment and reconciled with us. Reconciliation is a word meaning kind of to like restore a relationship. God saw the broken relationship that he had with us and he decided to change that. He knew that he was the only one that he could do. He was the only one that could do it. And so he stepped in to reconcile that relationship with us by sending his son Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could once again be in right relationship with God. That's supposed to be our role model. And so this passage, it doesn't just share what we have been saved from, the sin in our lives, but what we have been saved to this ministry of, of reconciliation, of sharing that message of what God did for us, but on top of that, of exemplifying it in the way that we live with one another, in the way that we reconcile with each other. That's the direction that we head. That's the reason why we look at these different steps that I believe that for any of us would be great steps for us to take in reconciliation with other people. So let's dive into number one right now. Number one, the first thing is make a move. Now here's what I mean by make a move. Oftentimes when we're in relationships where there is friction, the tendency can be to just separate, to move away from each other, not want anything to do with each other. And oftentimes we want the other person to move towards us. If they really want to talk to me, they'll come and talk to me. No, I think that one of the greatest things we can do is make a move. 
to be the person who starts the conversation of moving towards peace and reconciliation. There's a um, sermon that Jesus gave uh, as he was walking the planet. It's probably the most famous sermon that he gave called the Sermon on the Mount, found in the book of Matthew, starting with chapter five, going through chapter seven. And right at the beginning of chapter five, if you look at it, it says the Beatitudes. It's all of these statements that Jesus made. Blessed, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are, you know, he goes down all these different lines. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And one of the ones that he gives in chapter nine, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. God desires, think about this, God desires his children to be those who move towards peace, that they would be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers, not just those who live in the peace that's already been established, but those who move towards creating peace with those who they are in conflict and friction with. God calls us to be people who make a move and are willing to move towards others. Sometimes that's just by shooting a text, writing an email, putting a note in the mail, snail mail style, going totally old school that way, taking coffee over to somebody's house, just in the place, in the name of trying to start a conversation. Can we talk and and strive to clear the air with each other? There is something so powerful about being the person who, who moves that direction. Now, I wanna talk for just a minute to a particular crowd of people at all sites and all venues, I, I wanna talk just for a second to people who are married. Um, and the reason why is because, I mean, you know that in marriage, there is conflict that takes place all the time. And uh, we have some different ways around here at Blackhawk that are coming up for you potentially in your marriage to, to move towards someone this way. One is a class that's actually starting this coming Tuesday night called Financial Peace University. Now, Financial Peace University is for anyone. So you can be single, you can be married. We've had people who have taken this class ranging from the age of like high school, like to well in their retired years. And it's a fantastic class of just being able to get your arms around your finances, to get rid of debt, to to move towards living within the means of the way that God has set you to be able to live financially, getting biblical and practical on what it looks like to handle our finances and eventually getting to a place of being able to have excess and be able to be generous with other people. It's a fantastic course and it's for anyone. But the reason why I bring it up with couples is because one of, like, one of the biggest stressors in marriage, one of the biggest areas for conflict is finances. This could be a great step for you to take as a couple just to be able to begin a conversation, not just of moving towards your finances, but moving towards what's going on deeper inside your marriage. That would be something to check out. Sign up for that today. Like time is limited, starts Tuesday, but sign up for that. Another thing that is coming up that we think would be worthwhile is a night in March called the Reconnect Married Couples Night Out. It's on March 6th and signups for that online are available starting today. And this is just an opportunity for you as a married couple just to go out and have a night of fun. This is not just for struggling couples. You know, I mean, well, in all honesty, all of us as married couples can be struggling at certain points. But this is just the opportunity to remember what it's like to have fun as a couple. Because I think that for many of us, we, you know, I mean, conflict, it can easily move a couple towards divorce. But the other thing it can do is it can move towards separation, even though that you live in the same house to where you just start, you know, cohabiting 
forgetting about the idea of why God brought you together in the first place. And so this is an opportunity. It's just a night. It's supposed to be a fun evening for couples at whatever stage they're at in their marriage. And, uh, you know, there's going to be live music. There's a, there's a speaker that's going to be there that might, a marriage and family therapist talking about how to have a good marriage. There's going to be desserts. My wife's working with it. She told me there's going to be cake pops I mean, how can you not have a great night with cake pops when they're involved? But it's something you might want to take a look at. But both of these, they're just ways to be able to make a move. I mean, regardless, all of us are called to be people who move towards peace, desire to make that with other people, make a move. Okay, number two, let's go to number two on this. The next thing um, that you can look at is uh, admitting my fault. I get the chance to talk to a lot of different people who are in situations of conflict, just being a pastor. People come to the pastor thinking they're gonna have all the answers. It's not true, but we try. And, uh, and as we're in situations like that, you see conflict. One of the things that I always notice is that, um, man, there is, it seems like there is always fault on both sides, always. Now, it might be 90% on one side and 10% on the other, but there is always fault on both sides. When you make a move to talk with somebody, the thing that you want to lead with is where are you at fault? And be specific. Dive deep into the things that, that you've done. It's actually an, another thing that Jesus brings up in the Sermon on the Mount, starting with verse 23 of the same chapter five. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come offer your gift. <laughs> you know what idea we get from this passage? This is rather important to God. You know, I mean, we get this picture. Jesus paints this picture of a person who's at the temple, at the altar, offering their sacrifices to God. And God goes, yeah, leave it there. Go first deal with your stuff. Then come back and do this. Go make things right with other people. Admit your fault. Move towards peace. Then come and offer your gifts. I used to uh, get the chance to, to share um, this message every year back when I lived in Florida with um, a particular high school. There was a school down there that I got a chance to work with quite a bit. And every year I got asked to be um, the speaker for their senior class trip. And uh, this was a Christian school. It was one of those like first grade through 12th grade schools. And so there were probably 100 or so high school seniors. And we would go on a trip for the last couple days before you know, they all graduated. And I would always give a talk on this subject because I knew that there were seniors who had issues with each other. Some of them like ranging back to middle school, elementary schools. They had gone to the same school pretty much the entire time. And I just encouraged them to finally deal with the things, with the issues that they had. Like rocket science, apologize, say I'm sorry. It's like it goes back to second grade with the things that we try to teach kids at that point. But somehow as we get older, it gets more difficult. And so you would see students who would break away, You'd see them walking somewhere, having a conversation, you know, sitting, grabbing a meal together. And uh, I would always have seniors who came to me afterwards and they would say, we cleared the air. It feels so good. Thanks for encouraging us that way. And then it would always end with this. I wish I had done it sooner. Because they were getting ready to graduate. They were headed off to college. They didn't have any more time together. And they would look at each other going, look at what we missed out on. What are the things right now that because of conflict you're missing out on? And are there relationships that you might think that you'll deal with someday, 
But what would it look like to deal with them now? And it all starts with just simply coming and specifically saying, I blew it. This is my fault. Here's what I did. There's something so strong about admitting your side. That's number two. Okay, let's go to number three. Number three, listen and understand. You know, a passage that hits on this big time is James chapter one. James chapter one says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. Like listening, it's so unbelievably important. And for so many, like so many of us, we're so bad at it. Like, I mean, like think about this. When we, when we talk, we only repeat what we already know and believe. But when we listen, we have the opportunity to learn something new. And, and for so many of us, when we listen, we, like we listen all wrong because we listen with the idea of building our argument. And so I'm listening in order to build a case so that I can come back at you and tell you ultimately why you're wrong. No, 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 that's not listening. You know, the thing that you wanna do in these moments, what I mean by listening is listening to understand. In other words, what is it that they're feeling? How do you step into their shoes and see things from their lens that you might understand the way that you have come across to them? That is the type of listening that God would call us to in the midst of situations where there's conflict, okay? And then, next step that you wanna take is speak the truth in love. This is important, and I say this, notice, I, 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 I speak, you could, if you're taking notes, you could say, speak the truth, dot, 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 in love. And the reason why I put those two pieces in there is because for most people, they either are people who speak the truth or they are people who want to be loving, People lean one way or the other. There are some people who want to speak the truth and they believe that like, they are the mouthpiece of God to speak truth into anyone's life who they come into contact with. You know, like if you took this like to a sander, this is the person who would look at like a piece of furniture that needs to be refinished. They maybe have never picked one of these up, but they're just like, let me at it, you know? And they dive in and they're just sanding. They don't have the idea of keeping things level or even, nope, they're just going for it, you know? I don't know if they're dancing while they're doing it like I am, but they're just, and they're knocking off debris and getting all kinds of stuff. And in the process, they're creating divots all over and basically ruining that piece. You see, I think that for sometimes for people who see themselves as, uh, as like truth tellers, yeah, you can end up doing damage. I mean, maybe a good verse for you to sit on for the rest of your life would be, <laughs> um, would be, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, do you hear that? Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of truth, I don't know, through the bond of peace. You see, what would it look like for you to be able to, yeah, speak truth, but to do it in a way that is loving and caring and gentle and gracious and merciful in order to truly be able to make a difference in the life of another person? That's the one side, speaking truth. But then there are other people <laughs> they want to be loving and they want to be loving to the, like, to the level of where they feel the most loving thing for them to do is never say anything. You know, like if they're, if they're thinking about the sander, you know, you put this in their hand and they're like, yeah, 
Like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not gonna, we're just gonna leave this as it is. We're gonna leave it like shabby and just go with that look forever. Because the debris, if you think about it, over time it gets kind of beautiful if you look at it long enough. And so I'm never going to pick this up because I don't potentially want to do any damage. I'm just staying away from it. And for some of you, that's the way that you live your life. Your desire in relationships is to be so loving that you never speak truth. And so therefore, when people hurt you or say things that damage you, you never bring it up. You just push it all down. You know, to, to those of you who are in, in that place, um, a, a verse that you might want to sit on for a little while is Proverbs, like Proverbs 27, 17, which says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I mean, you think about it, like if you think of two pieces of iron working against each other, the reality is when iron sharpens iron, sparks are going to fly. And that can be part of God's plan in order to shape us more into the way that he desires for us to be. Another great verse is from Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, spur is, is not a word that we use all that often. Um, but if you look at the original Greek word there, spur, that, that word actually means irritant. And so a, a, a more accurate translation of that verse would be, and let us consider how we may irritate one another on towards love and good deeds. Like there's a role that God desires for us to do in each other's lives, to play in each other's lives, to transform us more into the image of Jesus, helping us to see our blind spots and to smooth off rough places that we might, through our relationships together, that we might end up looking more like Jesus. And then number five, we need to be people who focus on forgiveness. And Charles, Charles did an amazing job talking about forgiveness last week. I really don't need to hit on that much. Just go back and listen to that message again. But I think the thing that we need to focus on when we come to people and, and, and strive to work through conflict in the name of reconciliation is to move towards forgiveness and, and hope for restoration, hope for reconciliation. Because it really, the goal of what we're trying to move for is to be forgiven. And, and, and reconciliation is something that, that we are hoping that's going to take place, but it is not a guarantee. I mean, in, in any conversation like this, you could go to somebody in order to clear the air, you can apologize for your side, you can ask for forgiveness, and it might not be reciprocated. And, and there is no way to be able to force people into a place of forgiving you, or to force them back into in a relationship. But no, 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 that's abuse. That, that's, that's dysfunction. You see, we need to be willing to allow God to do work in those places. I mean, in Romans chapter 12, it hits on this. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, you don't get to control everything that's going to take place. If it's possible, as far as it depends on the steps that you take, live at peace with everyone. And if someone is, is not there, you don't play the card of, well, I'm just praying that someday you'll be mature and spiritual enough as me to be able to really clear, no, that's garbage. Like, just get rid of that. But you need to be a person who steps back and continues to pray for that person and for your own heart that at some point that God would be able to do work in order to reconcile that relationship. Now, just imagine for a minute if we as a church community, all sites, everyone listening to me right now, if you're online listening, everyone here live in the room, think about if as a church, we were able to live these five different steps. 
we were able to be people who moved towards the concept of peace and desired to reconcile with one another. Like, can you imagine what would take place in relationships within families? Can you imagine what would take place in relationships with coworkers, with roommates, with people who you're in school with, people who you do life with? But on top of that, there's something even greater that would take place. You see, because when, when we live that way, we end up being those who reflect who God is to us. <laughs> and when we think about the, I mean, just think about the world that we live in today and the way that the world works. I mean, when we think about, we live in a world today where um, people feel freedom and license to be able to destroy each other on social media with the comments and remarks that they make without any ramification, any remorse for anything they say of hurting other people. That's just normal today. We live in a world today where based upon people's political beliefs, religious beliefs, beliefs on different standards and cultures, they are polarizing people to complete other sides where they are separating and not wanting anything to do with one another. And the greatest goal that we give people in the world today is tolerance. <laughs> what would it look like for us to be people who say, I think we might be able to take it a step farther and to actually love each other and to move towards the differences and the struggles and the friction and the conflict, to be people who in spite of and in the midst of that type of world could love each other deeply. When we do that, we become a mirror image to the world of the redeeming work that Jesus did for us. We become a figurative image of the way that God desires to move towards every person who walks the planet. What steps do you have to take this week? You know, the thing that I love on a day like this is that we have the opportunity to, uh, to respond to this in a fairly tangible way. Because at all sites, all venues right now of Blackhawk, we get the chance to take communion together. And uh, in other words, we get to pause and to, in a very tangible, um, very intimate way, remember God's movement towards us. The restoring work that he did by sending his son Jesus into this world to where his body would be broken and his blood would be shed to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be in a right relationship with the Father once again. We get the chance to remember that today. And it's powerful to think about us as a church, all of us together, collectively, coming to take communion. We take communion in community. And it's a picture of in the same way that God moved towards us, his desire is that we would move towards each other in the same way. We get the chance to celebrate that right now. I'm gonna hand off to site pastors and venue pastors in all of our other places right now. But before I do that, let me just pray for us as we begin this time of communion all together as one church. God, thank you so much for your movement towards us. You reconciled with us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And your desire is that we would be people who are peacemakers who move towards one another, who seek forgiveness, are willing to own our side and be willing to move towards each other in the name of love that ultimately reflects who you are to everyone we come in contact with. God, I just admit we're really bad at it. Would you help us to be people who are able to reflect who you are, 
Would you transform our church this way in the way that we live with each other, that we might be people who are willing to, in the midst of friction, reconcile with each other? Thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people together said.